everyone. This is Michael Olson, Director of Development for Stand Up For Kids Orange County and the host of Listen Up, the Stand Up For Kids podcast. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Victoria Torres. Uh, she works for the Samueli Foundation and she's the Director of Community Impact. So we're going to talk to her about her job, uh, about Samueli Foundation and the role of philanthropy in the greater uh, environment of of government <laughs> and helping people. So welcome, Victoria. Hi, yeah, thank you for having me, excited. All right, so uh, just tell little uh, people a little bit about yourself and your role within Samueli. Sure, yeah. So I'm um, Director of Community Impact with a special emphasis in Anaheim, the city of Anaheim, which is also home to the Ducks. Um, I work for the family foundation of all the entities that the Samuelis, you know, have created or oversee. So I work specifically with the family for um, about a year and a half now, almost two years. It'll be two years in May of this year. That's when I got hired. And my role, so my specific role is as in relation to Anaheim is really boots on the ground type work, capacity building, working with nonprofits, uh, whether there are grantees or not, um, meaning they've received funding from us, or we like to actually consider capacity building and um, the, the work that we do with them considered also like a grant because it's our time and expertise. And this really started because the family is embarking on a large project in Anaheim aside from owning the ducks um, and managing the Honda Center, they want to bring a entertainment district to the surrounding area called OC Vibe. And it's public, there's a website called ocvibe.com. Anyone can go there and check out what's coming. And so because they're so philanthropic, um, they're also um, actually signers of the Giving Pledge, uh, which was started by um, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. And so they, everything they do there's always an intention a philanthropic um, mindset and intention so part of that was hiring somebody to be in the community and uh, learning so a lot of my work in the past year and a half has been a lot of discovery learning about Anaheim even though I was born and raised there so I grew up in Anaheim so it's, it's a real treat to serve my hometown um, and I've been in nonprofit sector for over 15 years now. So I get to continue to serve the nonprofit community uh, as it relates to how they serve the community. And so I'm very much, uh, I work a lot, a lot with grassroots organizations and helping them and learning from them, like what's going on in the city and also, uh, also work with the city. Um, so I have all the stakeholders, any stakeholder that affects the Anaheim community I want to know about and learn about. Cool. Uh, and yeah, I want to, so you touched on a lot of different things and I think over the course of our talk, I think we're going to dive into all of them. Um, yes. I want to talk about you first. Mm -hmm. uh, and you mentioned 15 years of experience. So, and you're in a, you're in a unique, interesting role now. So yeah. Uh, how'd you get there? Uh, such a, it's it's long and it's crazy, but it, it is um, a, it is a, a dream come true type story. So um, 
I've always been around nonprofit. So since high school, I've volunteered. I actually, you know, founded a club in high school. And then in college, um, my background is human services. So I have a degree in human services and then a master's in counseling. So I always knew I was going to be in the helping profession. I always knew I wanted to be in the community. Um, and through that, learned about nonprofit work and how nonprofits work from an organizational and administrative standpoint, not so much just the case management and serving the community, but I really, through my time um, uh, in all the organizations that I worked with, the most recent one prior to Samuel was 1OC, and they were uh, very much a capacity builder. They're, they were, they're considered a nonprofit for nonprofits. I really started to get behind the scenes type learning of man, nonprofits are doing so much with very little from funding to resources uh, to even, you know, being able to collaborate effectively and, and know how, know who their partners are and how to work with them. So my, my, before coming into the philanthropic side or the other side of the rainbow, as I often call it, I was doing the work. I worked with clients. Um, I did programming and then I um, dabbled in the fundraising as I worked closely with my development team to raise the money to do the programming that I wanted. So I've been on federal grants. I've helped write small grants. Like very early on in my career, I really started to see that good, effective organizations um, it's not just about serving the community well, it's also having a good foundational business structure. Nonprofits are businesses. In fact, they do everything a for-profit has to do legally and, and from a paperwork standpoint. Um, and then one extra step, nonprofits actually have an extra step, they have to do the 1023. So it's harder, I, in my opinion, to become a nonprofit and then there's a lot of stigmas and misunderstandings. So that's how my love for this work, I'm more of a behind the scenes type person now, not so much um, delivering services. I'm more about helping nonprofits be more effective in how they deliver services. So I did a lot of that at 1OC. Um, I was the director of training and organizational development. So I, um, uh, coordinated and helped with uh, putting on our training schedule and, you know, making decisions around what do our nonprofits need from a training standpoint, and then also organizational development wise, consulting around board development, fundraising, strategic planning, um, all those things that we nonprofits don't often line item, right? It's very rare that you, we put in budget uh, we put in the budget training and professional development and we try and get all of that pro bono. So I was in the position of trying to find ways to um, raise the money to offer it at no cost or at a small amount of cost. So now uh, I'm really in a position where I still get to do that, um, but I don't, but, but I don't have to charge because I work for a family that is really paying me to do that. I mean, that's my role. I get to work with organizations like yourself, which we'll talk about how we've, you know, worked together in the past um, and provide that, that um, behind the scenes support. I, I do 
board retreats. I do strategic planning. I do coaching. I coach a lot of uh, operations directors and EDs and founders. Uh, and in doing that and learning, I'm able to be a better connector um, for the community. So not just a, you know, writing of a check type funder. I'm also giving my time and talent. Yeah, so you're, you're I guess I would say you're perfectly <laughs> suited to in the role that you have because you have all this wealth of past experience that is really yeah. informing, uh, making you very knowledgeable about the current role. And, and, and so just to kind of like maybe paint the picture a little bit for the audience. Mm -hmm. So Stand Up For Kids is a nonprofit who takes in mm -hmm. money to then provide services to the population. And in our case to right help end the cycle of youth homelessness, which is our mission. And an mm -hmm. organization like the Samueli Foundation would, could be a funder for organizations mm -hmm. like ours to help us True. do our work. Um, so, so in some regards, we are on the provider side of the fence and you're on the funder side of the fence um, mm -hmm. from the philanthropic nonprofit side of things. But then you, yeah. it sounds like you get to do a little bit of the uh, it's not the, it's not the services directly, but it's, uh, com the consulting and this kind of the, not just, not just getting a check, but being, right. uh, direct partners with, with some of these providers. Very much. Yeah. And, uh, so we kind of have a, well, my, um, intermediate, she once said, uh, and I thought it, it, spelled it out perfectly um she shared with a group of people she said you know at samueli um when we when we do give you money we don't just give money we also give ourselves and so everyone should know that when you get um funding from the samueli foundation you're also getting us i mean we want to be a part of the process we want to help we want to provide resources we want to leverage what we have to um to make your dollar go even further. Uh, so the example is um, that, that you guys have uh, benefited from is our shared space um, concept in Anaheim because the family owns the ducks and manages the Honda Center. We have a lot of space in that surrounding area. And so one of the spaces was not being utilized. And when I came on board, I needed, I needed an office. Uh, and our home office is not in Anaheim. Uh, so they said, well, Victoria should be in Anaheim. So where can we put her? And in assessing our space, we realized we actually had um, a, some, some big space that we could not just provide for myself, but also other nonprofits. Why not open it up? And it's, it's vacant right now. We can afford to offer it up at no cost. So we then partnered with the local community foundation, the Anaheim Community Foundation, who is a, uh, right now very much important to, um, to our, our planning and our uh, uh, mission of growing philanthropic culture. So we wanna grow the philanthropic culture within Anaheim so that people don't just think that it's just the Samuelis giving, but there are others that can give too. So, Anaheim Community Foundation partnered with them. They also needed some space and we created the Hive. So the Hive, where nonprofits thrive, is a 
very much like a WeWorks concept. It's got private space, um, drop-in space, kitchen, conference rooms, um, the perfect just drop-in space for nonprofits that that have been uh, going to Starbucks, you know, between meeting their clients or uh, the small nonprofit that like you guys that they have a main a main um, admin office in another city, but a lot of their work is also done in Anaheim and their staff need a place to just go to and um, and have a place to do case notes or meet or or just not be in their car, right? Waiting for the next um, waiting for the, the next uh, uh, place to go. And it's been very, very helpful to those nonprofits in Anaheim serving the clients. Um, so that's just one example how it's not a monetary give, but it's definitely a huge resource and cost savings on the nonprofit to not have to pay for that. <laughs> uh, and then uh, <clears throat> as far as Samueli's impact for Stand Up For Kids, you did come mm -hmm. and lead a board, um, a board I meeting did, yes. on strategic planning, and you helped us uh -huh. uh, activate our team and figure out what yeah. we're going to do and how how we're going to work. Um, so we're sincerely appreciative appreciative of that component. Uh, and then, like yeah. you like you said, to the hive and having access at the hive, which mm -hmm. cross our fingers, COVID will relent at some point, and we'll be able to go hang out there, do work I know, there. I miss, I miss the hive. I miss, you know, when this all happened, um, my normal routine, I'm very much a people person. I get energy from, from people. Um, and my routine was, I get to work, I get my coffee, and then I would just walk around the office and say good morning and check in and what are you working on today? And how can I be of help? And yeah, when the pandemic hit, it was just ripped you know, from, from under me. Um, and, Cause that's how we grow and that's how we learn, especially small nonprofits. You know, we, we got to lean on each other. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So I want to change gears a little bit and talk about mm -hmm. the Samueli foundation. Um, okay. Tell us a little bit about like the origin story and mm -hmm. what the mission vision is for Samueli. Yeah, sure. So the Samuel Foundation is the, the private foundation of uh, the family. So Henry and Susan, um, and it, I mean, really started, Henry is the founder of Broadcom, co-founder of Broadcom. And um, then Susan, so, so, you know, Broadcom has their foundation and they do their work as it relates to Broadcom. And then they purchase the Ducks and Ducks has their foundation and as it relates to the Ducks. So Samueli Foundation is really personal to the family. And it was really Susan who wanted to start doing work in health. She's very holistic, um, very much into um, whole person and integrative health. So it's really, it started with that and her desire to you know, grow in that area. And that sparked um, work in the health field, which we're still participating in. And it also sparked this, um, the philosophy of how the Samuelis work with their giving model or their giving modality. It's very systemic. So with integrative health, 
it wasn't just about granting out money to organizations that wanted to dabble in integrative health. What they learned is integrative health was uh, very new. I mean, and then I'm talking, this was like over uh, 10, maybe 15 years ago. So they decided, well, let's put money into the research to help integrative health initiatives. So what you know now is, you know, of integrative health didn't just happen overnight. It was years of work and that work was spearheaded and, and invested in by the family. So they searched out a doctor, Dr. Wayne Jonas, um, uh, that is based in the East Coast, uh, who was already leading the leading the field or le- you know leading um, uh, a leader in this area, and he they, they really invested in him and his work and said, "What do you need to get the research, to do the studies, to do whatever you needed to do to make integrative health something um, worth talking about?" Because in the medical field, nothing is valid unless there's research to back it. So that was the start of. Uh, the work and all of our projects have kind of taken on that same feel feel a uh, feeling of okay what's the problem and we're, we're like we're not a grant maker if you go to our website you're not going to see an open call for proposals you're not going to see a submission process we very much are project based um, as it relates to the family interest and and really in it for the long haul um, depending on what is chosen so we've done work in integrative health um, we've done work in um, uh, STEM. So that's, you know, Henry coming from Broadcom wanting to make an impact in engineering and the STEM field. So we founded the, or founded and first investor in the STEM ecosystem model, uh, which is national. And when you create things on a national standpoint, the hope is that it reaches all of these smaller ecosystems. And eventually it grows up into a sustainable entity um, so that that so that one day we can then move on to another project with our investment dollars. And so that's how we look at giving and philanthropy. Um, what's the problem? Who are the big players? Who can we get around the table to figure out the answer and then what's the plan for growing it and making it sustainable because it it eventually just evolves into building itself into a system yeah so i mean an analogy would be you you've <clears throat> you've got a seed of an idea mm-hmm. and you guys are the water and fertilizer of the idea and yeah get it started and it starts growing and then over time you need less fertilizer and natural yeah. growth. Um, totally. I love that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's never no, natural. A great analogy. It, it's never natural because it always takes somebody somewhere who is taking on the initiative mm-hmm. to actually make a move. Um, oh yeah. But, uh, and it still needs people, right? Yeah. It still needs someone to check in right on the plant, check in, make sure everything's going okay. And that's us, but that's also other stakeholders too. We don't, we, what I actually love, which is very unique about um, the foundation 
both from a foundation and just any any nonprofit entity is we don't want to really own anything. Um, we're okay if the name's not on it. In fact, Henry and Susan would prefer that their name is not on it. <laughs> um, they they just want to make an impact and they want it to live and grow and thrive on its own because then it shows that it truly is a community need and a community mission. If it's just something that they believe in, then they're the ones that are going to have to keep it going, right? But if you think about true community um, uh, projects and efforts, if it really does, if it really is a need, other people will join in. Like other people will say, I want to be a part of this. This makes sense. And it'll sustain because of that, because of other people's passions, not just because of the, the funder that decided that this was important. Um, so yeah, so uh, most recently um, we, in the last couple of years, we have been spending a lot of time in esports, um, And so we founded, created NACEF, uh, National, <laughs> National Association um, Sports, uh, Esports Federation, Scholastic Esports Federation. I always fumble it up. But um, yeah, that came out of, um, because our, our work with hockey, um, the NHL asked us like, what, what do you think about esports and you know, what could your foundation potentially, or actually just in general, like just the ducks, but because of how much work it was gonna take, it became a foundation project. And it was really just a pilot of how could we make, cause it, it's also STEM related, you know, gaming, the gaming industry. And we adopted our, our uh, STEM model, this whole ecosystem approach of, you know, it's not just about the game, it's also about um, social emotional learning. This is how kids play now. This is the future. This is STEM. And there's the player, but there's also this ecosystem around the player, around content development and um, character development and the gaming piece. And then in the game, there's these competitions and the competitions, there's broadcasting, right? There's so much more than just the player and, and uh, appease, appealing to a student's interest, right? So we go to school, I grew up playing sports. And so for me, my driver was, I, I'm going to school, get good grades because I want to be on the team and I want to keep playing. Every kid needs their, their, their thing. Every kid needs their interest and gaming is becoming more and more popular. So we, we took that angle of how can we really use this in the, um, in the education system? Uh, so it's, it started off with just what is gaming and how do we get kids in, involved? And then how do we use this to appeal to their social emotional learning, to help academics? Um, how do we integrate it into curriculum? So now there are um, teachers that we've partnered with in the school system to create English language curriculum around gaming. And we're piloting that at the Samueli Academy in Santa Ana. Um, so merging all these projects, uh, leveraging them, but keeping in mind, you know, who's who's the recipient. And in this case, it's it's the 
the kid that's really into games or, or the gaming world. So that project has reached its kind of height of uh, it's really moving and growing. It's become national and also international. We've got some other countries that are participating in the program. And so we've helped it kind of move out on its own. Okay, so you've defined, you've described a few uh, STEM, integrative health, and esports. Uh, you've got the OC vibe mm -hmm. thing happening um, mm -hmm. that we, we want to talk a little bit more about here. Uh, but yeah. what's the uh, what's the tying theme, or what's the what's the vision or the mission that's driving? Because those two, uh, to me, that th those are kind of all across the yeah. board a little bit. So what what connects yeah. all of that? So our high level uh, pillars are uh, youth, education, health, and culture. And they're very broad, um, but with the mindset of, you know, you got to invest in youth. Um, youth are the future. And if you keep people educated and healthy, then that's a good starting block, right? Especially health. And then culture. And culture is all how the community defines it. Uh, and so I think that's really why in those three examples, you see such a, a breath of interest because um, health takes on its own culture, youth have their own culture. Um, and so we really want to go with what is going on in that community and, and, and answer, you know, how can we help them and what they want? Um, so we, we don't create, we don't have pillars like homelessness and um, you know we don't have impact areas um, because with a family foundation like most it is very personal um, and it is very project-based so it is hard I'm not gonna lie it is hard to follow like our um, for a nonprofit it's hard to distinguish like do we fit do we not fit and my answer is always I, I really can't tell you right now because it just depends on our project it, it depends on where we're going with this particular project. There's no connection demographically or there's no connection impact wise. Um, it really is based on the family's, the family's interests. Yeah, and so that's, a, that's actually a good segue into where I wanna go next. Uh, and that's kind of the, the, the marrying or the connections between philanthropy, government, mm -hmm. corporate, mm. etc. Uh, yeah. So in the the Samuel, let me kind of like paint the picture and then you tell me if I'm inaccurate in any of these places. They de they determine XYZ needs to happen uh, because there is something not happening or there is a new thing. Mm -hmm. There's an, they want to improve society uh, or improve mm -hmm the the way people live and uh yeah. and so they find projects that that uh, match their mission and then mm -hmm. they go and approach whoever's involved in those areas and try to try to do do just that and provide their financial yeah. backing towards that right uh, and that could be that could be something in the public sector within government realm or it could be in the private sector in the corporate world where they want to come alongside 
another company and it's it's up to them mm -hmm. as to where they want to go and how they want to do it correct yeah um yep. so it's it's just interesting uh and if you don't really understand philanthropy which i yeah <laughs> didn't and probably still don't completely um yeah it, it's a little bit of a soup um where i i i, I kind of think of like like let's say education we've got mm -hmm. the public system we've got the department of education and we've got a federal system a state system local school districts etc cetera, etc cetera. so if mm -hmm. there is uh improvements to be made or adjustments to be made there's already a thing there that is yeah. tasked with doing that so help me understand like what how does philanthropy kind of marry with the existing public systems yeah that's a good question and, and this would be more you know my philosophy too on just how i as a program uh officer you know director of the foundation um how i no, learning more now being on this side how that is happening like these projects that i just shared with you i knew nothing of that depth prior i'd heard of stem right stem ecosystems or oc stem i'd heard of esports but until you're in it and at meetings and really like asking like well who's that and who's that and who's that you don't realize the depth of work going on behind the scenes to create these entities, but then also to deliver the work. And so I think what happens is sometimes it does start off with a request from the school district, right? The, the Maybe it is the school district that says, um, you know, we need help in STEM or we need help in something. And, and every school district does have their own foundation so foundation, uh, school districts have foundations that go out and, and approach individuals or their, or, or their, uh, sometimes it's just the PTA. And through that, I think people learn about the needs in the school system. And sometimes it's philanthropists that answer those needs, uh, but it's still up to, uh-huh. Question just about that. So would that, that seem, that would be odd to me that I'm a school district I need something mm -hmm. is isn't the taxpayer going to provide that? So I think schools are always you know searching for other ways to enhance the classroom and enhance the students experience. Now maybe all the teachers could have gotten together and said let's just figure out what everybody needs and go get a grant or go to whoever and and get all of our needs met with one ask, but instead for this particular purpose, they chose to do it that way. So yes, I mean, we would hope that our education system could cover everything, but that's obviously not the case. Yeah, so so <clears throat> what, um, what that, I mean, that's discouraging on some level. We, get, we can always look at the mm -hmm. bright side and the less bright side. Um, mm -hmm. Cause I would, you know, if I'm a teacher, I wanna be, 100% focused on my kids and I want to right. maximize their education while they're in the classroom and I want to 
try to be mm -hmm. as undistracted as possible. Um, so to have to yeah. like go try to figure out a grant or pull out your checkbook to yeah to be effective or to be more effective is is kind right. of a bummer. Um, but mm -hmm. that I mean that's it, it, that comes from our federal and state governments and public policy and the way uh, money is divvied through the taxpayers. Um, so you yeah, there's only so much that I think government can cover through tax dollars, and um, and so that's where if philanthropy can help offset that, then that's where philanthropy comes into play. Not just from individuals, um, but also from corporations. And uh, um, corporations, obviously, they they will tell you what they give to and why because they have more of a cause related marketing approach of, you know, if if our business is is uh, technology, then we want to give to technology. If our business is uh, apparel, then how can we, you know, make a match there? So corporations do have more of a strategy around their giving and volunteering programs. Whereas family foundations or private individual foundations, it, it really is to their discretion and how they, um, how, how they, create their entity or how they um, de define their goals and mission of where they want to give and um, uh, and and who's on their board and a lot of times the people on the board are family members so. uh, but yeah so I think back to what I was saying what I was talking about I think is probably <clears throat> just a little too simplistic um, that hey we've got a government government's gonna take care of it and open mm -hmm. and shut uh in in, yeah. in reality even if go you know government's doing great on a lot of things they're not doing as mm -hmm. great on other things that is true of nonprofits and businesses and everything yeah. else uh yeah. so even if and and though uh government's yeah. doing a great job in in different angles there's always opportunities and there's always a need and a and a partnership component yeah from the philanthropic area to, to right. give them a nudge and, you know, be partner yeah. and mm -hmm. kind of work together on, on things. Yeah. And I think an example I can give you of how, how we're kind of doing that in Anaheim is, um, you know, part of my work early on, I said, was just discovery learning. And in order to do that, I'm not just going to learn from nonprofits, but I'm going to learn from people in the city. So I, reached out to some city workers. Um, I have a, you know, a colleague that keeps tabs of the, the political landscape. And so I was just learning from everyone, other funders, you know, funders that give in the city and, you know, who do you give to and why, and what's your objective, you know, through that. So when I worked with the city, um, I worked or leaned on the community services department, um, uh, those who run the community centers, the youth centers, um, the human service collaborative, the homeless collaborative, just what are you, you hearing? Because um, they're the ones that are also, you know, meeting the, um, the community in these spaces. And so what we came up with, we, um, I had an opportunity to do a little bit of grant funding through uh, we did our, our grant process through the Anaheim Community Foundation because, again, we want to lift up the local community foundation and build their brand so that people see that we trust, you know, we, we 
press them uh, to lead our efforts. And so you should too. And so we came up with this community hub model because uh, what I learned from Anaheim, which I think is amazing, is that the city actually pays for um, a human services type uh, culture that it, there's a human service type culture that exists within the city and they have case managers. They have um, people in the community centers that are very mindful of the needs of the community and they, they will um, support uh, monetarily. You know, they build it into their budget to have some of these people on site. And the city is very open to nonprofits coming in and utilizing these spaces as long as the services are free to the community members. So we leverage that. Um, so we selected seven community hubs, we call them throughout the city. And we put out a LOI, a letter of intent for nonprofits to submit to, to um, provide services at those sites. Because each site was already deemed a high need area by the city. Otherwise they wouldn't have put resources there. Some of these sites or community hubs were actually built because of the demographics in that area. Like they were, the city was very strategic in where they placed family resource centers, where they placed community centers, libraries. And so I just thought, well, let's just leverage that. Why, um, if we really wanna have true city impact, let's lean on what the city has learned through their data and, and, their, um, and these sites that they already have manpower. And then we'll tell, we'll ask them what else is needed and then we'll provide funds to the nonprofits to come in and deliver those services. So that's the two, three, actually three working together. You've got the funder, the, the, the city, which you could argue is also government because <laughs> um, they're paid through tax dollars and then the nonprofits helping to fill the gap. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a soup. It's a multi, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a partnership and anything that definitely uh, on these, you know, the city of Anaheim is a huge city. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of needs. There's a lot of competing, um, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of initiatives that are competing on some level for attention. And yeah. uh, it's, it's complicated. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and so you saw, something that was already going well and to to know that that was happening requires research and understanding and digging your toes in or digging your feet in and yeah. att attending meetings and learning and not not being hey i'm the samueli foundation i'm gonna ride yeah. in and like <laughs> everything is all wrong we're gonna fix everything right. for you like that it almost never works right so, right, uh, yeah. so, so just cutting it, you know, being the white knight uh, idea is, is not uh, not a likely one that's gonna to win. So it's so it it takes work, I guess, is the the summary. it does. Uh, it does. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of um, energy, patience, um, and and also. Um, uh, 
what's the word? Uh, trust. It takes a lot of trust because, you know, I feel fortunate that I came into this position with some trust, you know, having worked at 1OC and built relationships with nonprofits through the five years I spent there. So I feel really fortunate that I went into this position. People already, people already knew me on the nonprofit side. So when I called them up and said, hey, I'm with the Samuel A. Foundation now. I want to learn about what you're doing in Anaheim. I mean, obviously, aside from the fact that I'm a funder and most people say yes to meetings with funders, um, I felt like when people sat with me, it truly was not about the potential for funding. It really was like, yeah, come, yeah, Victoria, like, good to hear from you. I would love to learn what you're doing. And yeah, happy to tell you what we're doing in Anaheim. And and so it, it does take that trust on both sides um, and and uh, transparency. Uh, transparency of, you know, me coming in saying, look, I'm not promising anything. I'm just here to learn. Um, but then also transparency on the other end, to be honest with the, the positives, the goods and the bads of the work that you're doing as an organization, um, the struggles and the successes not just not just the rainbows and unicorns yeah so uh i guess let's talk a, just uh briefly again about oc vibe and i'm gonna once again sure. i want to i want to give you my summary and then you tell me where i'm inaccurate uh, <laughs> okay so the so the samuelis own the ducks uh the ducks own the mm-hmm. on the center um they manage we, we manage the honda center ma- sorry manage um, and yeah. they, the Honda and, Center is owned by the city still. Okay, we, we are just we own the management company. Yeah. Okay, and there they there's an initiative called OC Vibe mm-hmm. where they want to yeah. increase the the vibe of Anaheim and yep. you know uh, make large scale investments to mm-hmm. bring more arts, bring entertainment, uh, bring a, a reason to come to Anaheim or give give some pizzazz uh bring mm-hmm. I, I i'm kind of butchering it now but uh <laughs> and the other the other part of that though which is where you come into yeah. play is that hey we're gonna bring some some more economic vibrancy to the city and alongside right. of that we want to make sure that the community the the city of anaheim as a whole and its population um is also levered up um, with that mm-hmm. initiative. Is, is that the fair way to yeah. say it? Yeah, no, I think it's right. Yeah. It, like I said, they, when they look at investing in anything, they want to always see what they want the philanthropic lens to go work with it, right. Not be an afterthought. And so that's, so I'm here to keep an eye out for opportunities, um, of how, what we can do philanthropically as OC Vibe makes its debut. And so um, so for a while, so I, I joined the team before it was launched, before the ideal was launched, but now it's launched. And like I said, you can go to ocvibe.com to see what's coming. And my role is to just keep a lookout for opportunities in the meantime, um, long-term. Again, going back to that systemic project-based type approach, it's not just, not just granting and and seeing where it goes. I mean, we we will we'll do that through the community hub model, but again, it still has very much an Anaheim 
focus. Um, but, you know, with, with what's coming, obviously jobs, uh, entertainment, cult, the, that culture, you know, so I'm still formulating what the impact areas are and what, what that will be philanthropically, but, you know, already you would, you could assume that, okay, there's workforce development is going to be a huge need. Um, arts and entertainment, you know, uh, um, transportation, um, you know, more, more things going on at the Honda Center. There's, I think when you look at the land uh, or look at the uh, uh, um, rendering that's on the website, you'll see there's housing. Uh, there's going to be some housing uh, as part of the project. So as I'm learning more, um, I kind of see myself as this, this conduit of information <laughs> to, to share with nonprofits if they have questions like, hey, Victoria, I noticed this is going on. I saw this on the rendering. Like, can you tell me more? Uh, you know, being able to answer as much as I can and at the same time learning about them to see if there is a potential opportunity to work with them in a philanthropic way as it relates to the project. So it's too soon to, to say what that would be because I'm still, still learning. Well, yeah, I guess uh, another kind of theme that I'm hearing is collaboration. So yeah. whether it's philanthropy <clears throat> and government and corporate America and small mm -hmm. businesses and the different elements within each of those arenas, it's always yeah. uh, open lines of communication, relationships, and having right. a general awareness so that you can you can collaborate and be more effective because everybody has strengths and weaknesses and there are yeah there are natural entities that mm -hmm. uh complement one another so keeping your eye Absolutely. out for those uh, is is mm -hmm. always a always whatever staying out of the silo yeah. idea and yes, just having the, un, having an open understanding and an open mind to what's going mm -hmm. on. No, you, definitely. I I will always take a conversation with someone, like they're, especially if they say, you know, Victoria, you really got to talk to this person or you really got to learn about this organization. I, you know, there could be potential with the project or with this, pro like whatever. I'm like, sure. I, I'm all about connecting and I'm all about, um, connecting and then connecting them to someone else if it, if I'm not the fit um, because it only helps the it only helps the community not just the project it just it always helps the community to make these connections especially if it's going to help resources and it's going to help it's going to help your dollar you know go much further and um, and to add to that what you were saying earlier you know corporate government all these things I actually, you know, very early on in the conversation, I talked about my capacity building and skill set. I also personally, this is kind of personally, my mission is I want nonprofits to be ready. You know, I want to prepare them for this project and or for anything that we may end up doing. And one thing I know from my work at 1OC is nonprofits don't have time to think three years, five years down the road. 
so I, I feel like I'm kind of thinking for them and being that little push and nudge like hey did you think about this or hey are you working on this or um because I I do know what's ahead of us and I don't want to get there and then come to that nonprofit and they're not ready uh, so I really do that's so that's why I love my more of the organizational development side of what I do the prepping and priming and coaching because it they may not you may not understand it right now but a year from now two years from now it's like you're you'll be ready um, and that's the joy I get out of my job is being able to impart that that wisdom and and prepare people because um, I I love nonprofit. I mean, I love the work that we do, and I believe I believe nonprofits. If you want to know anything about a community, like just go talk to a nonprofit because they're the ones working with them. So. I want to echo two of your. I just want to, <clears throat> yeah. So two things that you said that struck me. One is meeting with anybody at any time, which always has its practical limits. But uh, yeah. I agree with you from a stand up for kids perspective. I meet with uh, government people, other nonprofits, individuals, corporate people. Uh, mm-hmm. And I always, I think I can say 100% of the time, come away with something out of that meeting that I didn't know before. Uh, right. That I can use, or there's a relationship there, or there's a piece of information that helps me. Yeah with the whatever's next. Um, so yep. there's, there's that piece. And I already forget what the second thing I was going to say was. So that's, but that's okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, so as we wrap up here, um, mm-hmm. what is, if, if, if you wanted to have somebody walk away after listening to this podcast with one thing in regards to mm-hmm. philanthropy, uh, what would you say? I would say that it's not always what you assume. I I think people hear philanthropy and it's really misconstrued. Um, I I feel like maybe in just in our today's society, it's very polarized right now what people know about philanthropy. Um, And I would say that the people who are, so philanthropists, right, that are in philanthropy, there really is a good heart behind it. I know sometimes people think that, oh, it's just their own self-interest. Oh, it's just, they're just giving where, where they only see a problem. And, and it, it does appear that way, but there is a lot more behind it than what I think people assume. And, and there really is always a good heart behind it. Um, at least in my experience, uh, I've learned so much in the two, in almost two years that I've been with a family that I did not know um, from how they give to the way that they give, but also to the, the administrative side of, of what happens when giving. Um, and philanthropy isn't the only answer, but it is something that can, um, can, can, that can accelerate um, sure. our, our work. It's definitely an accelerator because like you said earlier, you know, 
well, why isn't government just taking care of it? Well, I don't think we should only lean on government. I, I think true, true success and true collaboration is when all parties come together with the same mission and the same focus and that focus being the community. Um, and philanthropy is, it's really special. Um, the more I get on this side of it, I, I was very, also like you very like, well, how come they just get to decide? Or I, like, or I, you, you know, like you were saying like, well, what's the, what is your impact? What is your focus? How do I know if I'm a good fit? How do I know if I'm wasting my time? Um, and uh, it, it can be daunting. I, I understand that. Um, and I guess I wouldn't know all this if I wasn't over on this side. So my, my little piece of wisdom is um, educate yourself more on, on the, the process, you know, before making conclusions. Cause I, I did that too. Um, and, uh, and be curious about it. Don't just be like standoffish. You know, it's, it's either all horrible or all good. Like be curious about philanthropy because I think anyone can be a philanthropist, not just, not just the wealthy. Um, yeah. And th that, that is the one thing I wanted to add to what you said. It's, it's mm -hmm. big and small. So there are the big yeah. Samuelis out there, but every, yeah. every individual can be a philanthropist. Definitely. And that's what we want to cultivate through our work in Anaheim, which is why we've leaned on, which is why we're partnered with Anaheim Community Foundation. We, the other thing is we can't solve all the problems. Um, like, yes, there's a lot of wealth out there, but even with all that wealth, it it's one person still can't do it because even if we tried, right, by putting all this money behind it, other people need to believe in it. So, you know, to make it continue, right, in perpetuity. So if you're, if you're curious about philanthropy, then learn about it, but also be a part of it. And you are a part of it the minute you give $5, you know, the minute you give $25, you're a part of the process too. So really, I actually, you know, I don't know who's listening, but really my other piece of wisdom is get to know nonprofits, you know, get to know the, the nonprofits in your backyard. Um, I'm always a big believer of if I'm going to give small quantity, I'm going to give to a small nonprofit because they're going to appreciate and value it so much more than the big name million dollar nonprofits. Not, and not that they're not bad. I mean, they're amazing too. But um, we can affect change in our own community if we learn about the nonprofits serving our community. And so if you're going to be a small philanthropist, then go on GuideStar and do a search and learn about the ones directly around you because they're the ones making your community safer. They're the ones giving a kids, you know, kids a place to go after school. They're the ones giving you know, mom and dad, uh, you know, childcare, daycare at a discounted rate. Like they're the ones making your community safer and healthier. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah. thanks, Victoria. <laughs> Thank this you. is great. It's been really good to talk with you. Thanks for your time today and, yeah. and take care.
Thank you. Thanks for having me, Michael. Always awesome. All right. Thank you for listening today to Listen Up, the Stand Up for Kids podcast. A big thank you to Gabby Villarreal and Billy Wynn for their production and editing support. Find us on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support Stand Up for Kids, please share this podcast with family, friends, and colleagues. Also, check out our website at standupforkids.org slash orangecounty, and you can email me directly at michaelo at standupforkids.org to learn more. Please also consider a donation to help getting kids off the streets. 92 cents out of every dollar donated goes directly to supporting these kids. I'm your host, Michael Olson, Director of Development at Stand Up for Kids Orange County. Thanks for listening and have a great day.